0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fifth session of the Ontolog Semantic Wiki mini-series. Um, Today's topic is Semantic Wiki Application and Use Case 2, Horizontal Applications. Uh, is chaired by Jay Bao and the leading boss from IPI New York. Um, this is February uh, 12, 2009. Um, welcome, everybody. I'm um, glad to see any old friends uh, online. And uh, as have well, some new friends. Um, today, uh, we will have uh, a focus on horizontal applications of Seminic Wiki. Uh, in the last session, we have seen uh, use cases applications in vertical applications.
1: Peter, would you mind to click open the slide? Oh, if you are on VNC, you should see the first slide, and we should move to the second, second. slide right now. Right. Thanks,
0: Peter. Um, We are. This is Section Section Five. Um, This focused on, for example, applications. Just to mention, everybody, next month at Stanford we will have Triple I 2009 uh, Spring Symposium focused on uh, Social Semantic Web. Uh, We are planning to hold a face-to-face meeting of Semantic Wiki Theory here. So
1: please join. Yes. Uh, just uh, let me insert one word. Uh, in our spring symposium, we actually got uh, many submissions on wiki, especially semantic wikis. We actually set up a session on semantic wiki. Our current plan is uh, to make the semantic reset wiki session running on the 25th. And uh, in the afternoon, that when the symposium ended, we might be able to set up a face-to-face meeting on the 25th. Which is Wednesday in that week. Uh, we are will probably send an email out to Ontolog and Semantic Wiki mailing list uh, shortly. But uh, please keep in updated. We will get uh, get back to you soon. Thank right, you. Peter.
0: Next. Right. Today we will see a couple of exciting talks, including um, topics on um, data-oriented computing, including top one called top two supporting community and collaboration with the many including top three, top four and five and lightning talk one on usability uh, top six and methodology lightning talk two four. Please. Right. Um, so the outline first uh, this in- introduction then six uh, panelists presentations 10 minutes each. Uh, followed by two lightning talks, three minutes each, and we will have 15 minutes uh, open discussions and conclusions. Very much. Um,
1: just add one more reminder. We just used up our five minutes, and we hope every presenter will uh, keep to their time limits so that uh, uh, we won't get really rushed at the end. Uh, we might have to stop you at the end, like one minute ahead. If you have any Please do wrap up your presentation by the time, please. Thanks. Okay, again, thanks, Peter, for organizing this, and thank all uh, speakers again. Okay, we can move to
0: the next. So, our next speaker is Jerome Corral on internal data in Dominican Wiki.
2: Hi, my name is Jerome, and uh, thanks to the organizers for putting this together, as always. Um, my talk is uh external data in semantic media wiki so uh slide two um, the basic problem is how can a semantic media wiki wiki uh use data from outside sources and that's a big issue because um it's a big world out there and there's a lot of data and um most of it you know ninety nine point nine nine et cetera percent of it is not going to be Found on one's wiki, um, and there's a lot of uh, external APIs and uh, and other types of data sources that, that are really useful as far as um, as far as their data, and uh, you know that's what the semantic web is all about in the first place. Um, so slide three. Um, basically, for, for the purpose of this talk, uh, there's three kinds of sources that you can get external data from. Um, first is Sites that have their own web-based API, um, uh, and, and that can be in, in any form, whether it's producing um, XML or or whatever else. Um, the second is, which uh, the, the second is um, other semantic media wiki sites, um, which obviously all have their own data. Uh, and the third is is basically everything else, um, any kind of data that's not accessible via the web, whether it's uh you know tables in a database that you have or a spreadsheet um, or just a list on some text file or 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 anything else. Um, so slide for. Um, so so the solution I'm going to talk about is the uh MediaWiki extension called External Data. Uh that was written by me and Michael Dale uh, and there's the URL for um, for reading about it and downloading it. Uh, and there's examples there and such. Um, so it's like that. Um, so uh, at its heart, it defines three uh, three parser functions, which in MediaWiki are um, a, a basically functions you can define that can be called from within a wiki page. So the first one is called get external data, and um, I'm not going to get into the, the technical details of, of how it's called, but basically you pass into it a URL. Uh, and that URL, uh, is meant to, that URL holds data that's either in CSV, JSON, or XML formats. And those are, those are basically three ways to, uh, to display data on a page in a file. Um, it, uh, the, um, the, uh, the details aren't that important, but, um, it's basically is very simple ways of, uh, of holding data. Um, and then it sets that to local variables, um, uh, and so so the the next function external value just takes one single local variable that's been set by get external data and then displays a single value for that on a on a page um, and then the um, the last one is is more complex uh, and i also i also miswrote it it's actually for external table not for external data um, but basically get external data in addition to getting just a single row of variables can also get an entire table. So you can you can have external data get everything that's contained in say a CSV page. Um and a CSV page or any of these will the basically the data will look like a table. It can. Uh like in like a spreadsheet or whatever else. Uh it's got rows and columns. So um so for each local variable you can have an array of values. So basically for external table uh Will will loop through all the rows in that retrieved table and then do something, show some string, some text for for each of those rows. And each time, the the variable is substituted with a new set of values. Um, so slide six. Um, so let's see how that works in practice or in semi-practice for um, for data type one. Which is basically a site that has an API. So um, we can imagine there's some great website out there called fruits.com that just um, has data about, about one of your favorite fruits. Um, so, so there's a, you can imagine a URL because, uh, you know, it's, it's 2009 and they're, uh, they're all about um, free linked data. Um, they haven't, they haven't, they have a URL where um Pass in the name of a fruit it sends you some nice uh, XML about that fruit. so if you go to this URL um, it'll just contain XML that looks like what you see there um, It's got the the name the color and size of an apple um, so then you can uh, pass that to a call to get external data um, and
3: and um,
2: we can. It, it, the, the details of the color aren't that important, but basically, it sets it sets local variables called fruit color and fruit size. And then, given what's in that page, they'll actually be set to red and medium. Um, so, um, so uh, next slide, slide seven. Um then, what you can do is just type in a sentence um, where where the, those uh, values will. Get displayed, and then what the user will see is an Apple has color red inside media. Um, so then you can do something more complicated, um, and and have uh, in the next example and have semantic tags around each value. So then um, th- that that's a uh, that's a semantic media wiki feature, uh, and then they're stored semantically, so then you you can query them anywhere else in the site, and it's as if they, that data came from you know, so just someone entering it directly in the site. So in that way you turn external data into internal semantic data. Uh, so slide eight. So, okay. So um, so, so, so the next step is that, is that for external table function I talked about. So, so um fruits.com also um, because they're so helpful, they also have an, a, 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 an API setting where you can get data on all the fruits at once. Uh, and that's the, the URL for it. So then you call get external data basically in the same way you did before, but now each of those local variables will get set to an array of values instead of just one value. Uh, you can think of those as as uh, columns in the table. Um, so then you call for external table, um, and it, this this is going to print that statement you see for every row. So it'll say you know the, the fruit kumquat has color yellow and size whatever the fruit. Uh, orange has color orange, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and it's just a, a, a little conceptual step beyond that to imagine it displaying, instead of just a, a series of sentences, the display a table, which is really just a... In wiki text, it's just a series of strings with some special formatting. Um, okay, so slide nine. Um, so, uh, so... Uh okay, so so the second data type at Semantic Media Wiki site, um, you can see it's it's really just a subset of the first data type because um semantic media wiki's inline queries support C S V and actually as a few as of a few days ago they also support JSON, which are two of the um data formats that external data handles. So this is an actual URL, unlike the uh theoretical last one. Uh if you go to semanticweb.org slash all this other um silliness. It'll just it'll just return you that that text you see. Germany, comma, Berlin, comma and then the number. That's that's uh the capital and population that are semantically stored for Germany on this website. Um on this wiki. So then uh we can we can call that get external data with that URL, just like we did with the, the fruits dot com version. Um so then slide ten. Oh, okay, well um uh, so you know, I, I didn't bother showing the details, but actually, but you could call, uh, back to the previous slide, you, you can just call external values, external value and for external table in the same way for a semantic media wiki site as for any other, um, API data um, okay, so slide 10. Um, so data type number three, this is, the, this is uh, the hardest way, you could call it inaccessible data because it's not accessible via the web. Um, it 's the hardest type of data to deal with, but it 's also by far the most common because changes are extremely good that if you have some kind of data you want to use that no one has created an API to access it um, so there have been uh, this is this has come up repeatedly for um for Antic media wiki especially um, and so far the general solution has been basically do a mass import of that data into the wiki so then so it can be treated as if it had just originated from the wiki in the first place. So, you know, you set up a, a template structure, maybe a form structure. Um, you use forms um, and all sorts of properties. And then in one way or another, whether it's through Python or or whatever else, you import all that data as wiki pages. Um, unfortunately, that makes maintenance difficult because if you want to change the data, you either have to... Um,
1: Reimport or do a merge or, um,
2: or whatever else. Um, I so you know that You are getting
1: 10 minutes. You are getting 10 minutes. Would you please uh, wrap up soon? Because you, would you please wrap up soon? You're already running out of 10 minutes. Thanks. Uh, okay. Um, I'll try to hurry. This,
2: uh, okay. Um, uh, so, if only, It's still a lot to go over. Well, it's not a lot, but it's... Can I have another five
1: minutes? Yes, please go ahead. Try to do that as fast as possible. Thank you. Okay. Um, So, if only there were a way to easily create an API for accessing that data. So, basically,
2: if only there were a way to have this be, again, a subset of the first data set. Um, So, uh, slide 11. um, The external data solution is... That you can actually now create a wiki page just for this table of data in CSV format. So let's say you have data on all the all the world leaders, everyone who's ever led a country. So you know it might look something like this. Um, you create this CSV, which, is, which just stands for comma separated values, um, and then you put the header as the top row and all the other stuff below it, um, and uh, you make you, you put it into its own wiki page, you can call it world leaders data. So it's going to have all this stuff. And the data is now separated out from the template, property, et cetera, structure. It's just your data. Um, page, so slide 12. So now, so now external data defines a new special page called get data. Um, and that basically serves as its own mini API for getting the values from that page. So um, you can have a url like this if your wiki is at mywiki.com um you go to that to the special data set that um, the page name to be world leaders data and set country equals france and that's going to return a table of all the rows that have the value of france for the country column so in that way you basically it basically serves as a, as a extremely simple api for getting out um, uh, for querying that data uh, so slide thirteen um, so 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 conceptually it's sort of similar to importing the data into pages because you're storing the data on the wiki but it's very different in that it's a, it's in a very easily manageable form and there's is uh, that the maintenance is has has suddenly become much easier um, so there is um there's a concept of documented-oriented databases, and, and this approach, from what I understand, matches those more closely than the semantic media wiki does. So, that, so it does match, uh, you know, real-world concepts to, to some extent. Um, so slide 14. Um, then, so so extrapolating from that, we can we can imagine we can call uh, a, a fourth data type, which is user-generated data, i.e. Local data, as opposed to external data. So I put it in quotes because it's not it's not external data. But um, the question is, does it does it ever make sense to use this same approach even for user-generated data, even when the data could be just entered via forms and use, using templates and properties and such? Um, so the one obvious thing is that uh, basically Semantic MediaWiki at this point doesn't doesn't uh, support table data. Um, because it doesn't it lacks support for enemy relations internal objects or whatever you want to call it um, so so actually this is already um, a rationale for using external data in place of semantic media wiki for uh, for cases where you want to have a table of data on a page as opposed to just single values um, so slide 15 so the exit question in the future, um, and I would suggest that one you know I, I I don't know the answer to this. I'd suggest that one possibility where it could still be useful is in a multi language wiki. this is something that's come up uh the semantic media wiki repeatedly um, where instead of where forms and templates could actually confuse people because they're only going to be in one language uh, at a time so. So maybe it's easier actually to have all the data stored in one CSV type page. So it's cryptic, but it's similarly cryptic for everyone. So it might actually make things easier for the people editing the data. And then, and then all the other, all the true language versions will just query that using external data. Um so slide 16. And, uh, actually question number two is, hey, isn't Wikipedia a multi-language wiki? So, uh, good for that. And that's it.
1: Thanks for, your own for giving us this very interesting presentation. Um, of course, you are running out of six minutes, so, but then you are in, your talk is great. Uh, we're, let's uh, see the next speaker. Uh, Philip?
4: Yeah, hello together. My name is Philip Brasbach. I'm working at uh, Enterprise, and I'm part of the... Taylor team that developed the FMW extension that sits on top of FMW. And what I will present today is our new extension that is called the Enhanced Retrieval Extension. Slide two, please. Uh, now what's the motivation for our new extension? Uh, the motivation is that the current MediaWiki search suffers a couple of drawbacks, so for instance it doesn't scale very well and um you, stemming is not very good supported um but actually if you were using wikipedia either the german version or the english version you might have noticed that the search has changed and what they are doing they are uh, implementing or they implemented a new search that's called the mw search which is based on lucene and lucene is a very powerful Open source search engine that's um, implemented in Java, and we we actually building on top of this uh, MW search extension with our new extension. Uh, now, what are the advantages of the new MW search? Um, one nice feature is that you have a Did you mean suggestion that's also known if you use google and if you have a typo in your search query then um, google or the new and w search makes a suggestion um, for for the search term you you might have uh, you, you would have had in mind and uh it also supports fuzzy and wildcard queries for instance you can enter Um, star, stan, and then you get um, all uh, eastern countries that end with stan, such as Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, and the last one I'm not able to spell. Um, You can use Boolean operators, such as and, or, and not. You can search for stop words and for words with less than three characters. That is actually quite useful if you have a lot of acronyms stored in your wiki such as VW, and the, the uh, standard uh, mediaWiki search engine didn't support that. And you can use uh, prefix and intitle search. And yeah, just to wrap up, the, the MW search extension uh, yields um, better search results because it makes use of uh, related articles, articles, makes a kind of link analysis. It uses uh, synonyms uh, taken from WordNet, It uses redirects um, that that are stored in your wiki. Um, So slide three, please. Um, Now, what are the features of our enhanced retrieval extension? Um, We provide auto-completion. So if you see, if you take a look on the left-hand side, there you have this enrolled box um, for the auto-complete, which is activated on button press. Um, you have a distinction between different uh, different elements. So you have uh, the, the distinction is uh, done by, by using different icons and different colors. Um, so you can see here that the red icons are used for normal article pages, which are instances, and you have icons and separation for categories, category pages, and template pages, and such on. And we have a unification of the full-text search and the ontology search. So that means that not only the, uh, the text of the wiki articles are searched, but also the um, elements of your ontology. So the properties are searched, the categories and such on. Um, next thing is that we we provide a kind of fuzzy search that is called um, or that relies on the principle of query expansion, uh, which I will explain on the next slide. Um, we we provide full text search on uploaded uh, word documents and PDF files, and we uh, support the preview on search results. So I don't know if you can recognize it, but. Um, and on the right-hand side of each search result, you have a magnifier, and if you click on that magnifier, you get the, the, the rendered wiki page, and you get your search terms um, highlighted. And what we also uh, provide is kind of search statistics. So you get a special page where you can um, see the, the entered search terms in a certain period of time, and you can sort that search terms um, not only by by the most common search terms but also by the the hits um, belonging to that search terms. Slide four, please.
2: Um, Now how does this query expansion mechanism work? Um, What it does, it exploits the ontology in
4: order to find related terms for search terms the user has entered. Um, What are those related terms or where do these come from? Um, related terms are synonyms, synonyms are redirects. Uh, these are also used in the MW search engine, as I have mentioned before. And you can uh, create synonyms by using predefined properties in your SMW, such as also known as or rarely labeled as. Um, another type of related terms are broader and narrower terms. Um, these come from the directly from the ontology such as super and subcategories. I think also sub properties are used if the user is ended uh a property um, term. And you can also use again predefined properties um, for in within semantic markup or by doing semantic markups such as broader term and narrower term. Um, you have uh Three different settings for uh, controlling the the level of this of the tolerance. Um, the the first setting is exact. There there the the um, search query entered by the user is left uh, untouched um, apart from some uh, some stemming uh, mechanisms. Then we have semi tolerant. There your query gets expanded by using synonyms. And last you have the the most tolerant level, um, where not only synonyms are used for query expansion, but also um, broader and narrower terms. And just uh, to give one example, imagine uh, that you're setting tolerant and that you enter the term Ferrari F50, then your query gets expanded to F50 or Ferrari F50 or sports car Or a gasoline gasler, and uh, this F50 could, for instance, be a redirect pointing to the Ferrari F50 site. And sports car and gasoline gasler could be uh, annotated by using the um, the also known as property. For instance, Uh, slide five, please. Um, How can the user insert such term relations? Um, He can use the ontology browser, where you can can model are uh, super and subcategories and uh, sub-properties. You can directly use this uh, special uh, relations on, on wiki articles. Um, and uh, you, we we provide also forms for the easy easy um, entering of, of such uh, term relations. Um, here we have the example for Porsche. And by, by using forms, you can, we provide easy means for, for managing vocabularies or thesauri in a collaborative uh, manner. And that is actually quite useful because if you think, um, I don't know if you can recognize the, the Porsche example, but if you would model that in an ontology, you would have to think, okay, Stamhammer is that category category, and gas, gas, is that a category as well? Uh, do they have to be equivalent? Um, what about Porsche? Is Porsche an instance of Steamhammer? So that is really, um, uh, with these softer relations, it's making easier to, to relate terms in your wiki. Um, slide six, please. Okay, just to sum up, uh, the enhanced retrieval extension allows for more flexible and tolerant search it supports uh, collaborative vocabulary management um, you can reuse your stored vocabulary because we uh, when you export the ontology uh you we use actually a scos annotations that's a standard currently uh developed by the uh, w3c um, and the uh, the the extension we plan to release the extension to the community uh, this march and it will be open source. Uh, and yeah, at the bottom you have some interesting resources such as the MW Search uh, side where you get some detailed explanation uh, how it works. And yeah, you can also visit our S M W uh, user forum where you will find information about this extension. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Philippe.
0: Our next speaker is Peter Dollard.
5: So thank you for invitation to this session. Uh, My name is Peter Dolog and I am from uh, Olborg University in Denmark. Uh, Today I'd like to talk about um, tag-based recommendation in Kiwi. Uh, Basically, I would like to first remind about uh, Kiwi architecture, because the way how Kiwi is built, how the Kiwi core system uh, is built allowed us to actually implement these uh, recommendations very quickly. Um, so the message is that uh, um, the architecture and the technology which Kiwi provides is open to uh, any kind of extensions uh, and adaptations uh, which one would like to add. Uh, then afterwards I would like to, uh, shortly discuss, uh, what we understand by recommendation services so far, then how we have integrated them into the Kiwi architecture, and then, uh, discuss it a bit on the examples with some widgets. And then at the end I would like to discuss, uh, uh, something about further issues and ongoing work, uh, uh, in our team, uh, currently. Slide two, please. Uh, Okay, Um, the Kiwi built on Java Enterprise edition and theme. So we are using JBoss. I'm just summarizing uh, what we have already presented here, but just to remind those who did not attend previous talks about Kiwi. um, There are three main layers. uh, One with services as stateless enterprise Java beans, uh, which provide common functionality to other components. And uh, of course, recommendation service is one of those. Then there are action beans as stateful enterprise Java beans, uh, which provide uh, backing functionality to user interaction with the system. And then of course, there is a presentation layer with Java server faces and rich faces um, to actually implement user interface. So the Kiwi makes use of the core Java functionality. such as uh, transactions, persistence and also dependency injections or for um, other functionality. but I will not talk about those uh, today. slide three, please. Okay, here you can see the Kiwi architecture uh, based on schema in schema, where you see a view layer, as I mentioned with different uh, views, a user can uh, have and people can actually extend so basic are uh create content editing the content uh and then there is another view for administrations uh but there are there can be other then uh, the orange box actually uh contains those um java beans which are used to uh compute something ne- uh, relevant and necessary for user interface and then there is a, a bigger layer with all the services, such as user services, uh, uh, revision services, uh, content items for pages and resources, and other services. And below that, there is a uh, uh, Hibernate-based uh, uh, key entity management, which accesses different uh, kinds of uh, storage which we are using to um, um, uh, store different information or pages and other content items slide four please right so on top of this we uh, implemented uh, uh, the recommendation services because this is what was found uh, uh, relevant for industrial partners which we are working with in the kiwi project um, they use slightly different uh, uh, terminology. They call recommendation services as, as uh, knowledge push, uh, and uh, they see it as uh, pushing the information because, um, um, for example, if, if, if you have a project management company, um, if you have a company which does uh, uh, some IT uh, development and uh, deployment, and you have project management uh, um, Uh, those project managers actually can benefit from uh, information and knowledge which was uh, gained from the previous experiences, and they see this as a push from previous experience. Uh, We in computer science, of course, call it recommendation, and uh, uh, this is uh, how we actually meet uh, two interests. And as you can see, uh, the resources or the content items which are pushed in, in our implementation, they are uh, pushed based on the tags uh, and similarity between tags, uh, which are assigned to content items or web pages. Right? Uh, we see tagging uh, as a simple and dynamic user profile, right? Because uh, users basically tag what they are interested in, and the interest can be, of course, personal or uh, enterprise-based, right? So, if it is a project of a specific kind. Of course, uh, the main goal is to deliver project uh, uh, in time and uh, in good quality and so on. So there is a natural interest to actually um, um, make it right and uh, make the communication smooth and so on and so on. So this is what we see as an enterprise-based interest, even uh, when in the the private uh, life, the interest could be completely different or preferences could be uh, completely different. So we are actually learning about these uh, preferences uh, from tagging, from tagging behavior, and how users actually tag different content items uh, uh, with knowledge and information uh, encoded in them. Right? Um, due to the uh, content uh, model and due to the data model Kiwi has, uh, the recommendation is actually simple matchmaking. Because we are matchmaking, uh some kind of um, data items which are stored in uh some tables um, relevant for tags so there are these are just very simple queries if we base it just as uh, uh on um, um query facilities databases provide but i will talk later a bit about how we are expanding it currently uh, slide five please right um It is very good that the Kiwi provides three-layer architecture because uh, the recommendation services can actually then take different layouts uh, and different presentation options uh, for different users, right? Uh, And this happens actually on the um, view layer, but also uh, at the the action uh, action layer of of the Kiwi, where different computation can be considered. So, so far, and also what you will see later on the screenshots, uh, we have just two versions which are uploaded to the um, uh, general code repository of Kiwi, where we present uh, uh, recommended uh, uh, content items uh, grouped according to the tags they they use. And also then we have a simple list of resources which are recommended, or simple list of uh, content items. But of course, we are thinking about different uh, possibilities, how to present and how to order uh, pushed information. Of course, we have questions, uh, how to order the grouping, how to order the tags as such, whether it should be about uh, according to tag frequency, which is usual uh, way of ordering uh, in uh, social systems uh, on the web, or it should be based on tag interest or whether there are other heuristics, right? Or whether we should combine it with some kind of explanations and so on, but this is ongoing work, and uh, we did not decide yet on uh, on different presentation options. Slide six, please okay, so this is again the picture uh, about Kiwi architecture uh, where you can see that we extended uh, the view layer with a special widget, which is called RICOM x hdml. This is how um, the kiwi system uh, is configured uh, with different widgets, and the description of widgets is stored in an uh, XHTML file, which calls actually recommendation action, which computes and groups, uh, which, which computes the grouping, for example, and then this recommendation action actually calls the recommendation service from the service layer. Right? Um, kind of very easy and very transparent uh, implementation. Slide seven, please. Okay, here you can see how the simple list of recommendations look like on the TV screenshot. Um, so this is uh, the content we imported from uh, Salzburg uh, uh, Nachrichten, which is a uh, news, newspaper, I guess, uh, in Austria, uh, just as an example. Slide 8, please.
1: Uh, ten minutes. Okay, I
5: just need uh, one or two minutes, so I n- and I'm Thank finished. Um, so on this slide, on, on slide eight, you see uh, expanded uh, view on how the recommendation actually works intuitively. So we have con- we have different tags, which tag the content item which is currently presented, and then those tags are taken and they are matched with uh, any other resources and content items which are available in the repository, right? And then it's the same recommendation functionality, but two different widgets um uh, in one of those, you have a grouping according to tags, so you can see that there is a content tag, and there is another page which was tagged by the content um, item, and it, is prob- and it is tagged by different user. Uh, in this case, it's my name. Uh, so, it's relevant then to the, uh, to the currently presented, uh, or presented resource. Slide nine, please. Okay, this is what we so far uploaded to the common repository, but of course we have different questions. So in industrial context, uh one needs to be effective. So we um, people not always want to have tags on their interface current uh, immediately or uh currently. Then they don't want to have different widgets with recommendations and they probably want to have dynamic desktop similarly as it is with my office desk because you need items which you currently consider relevant for your current work. right? So we are thinking about how to actually learn uh, about user profiles to actually adapt widgets in a way which is uh, uh, and to provide the configuration of of widgets which is relevant for current tasks. Slide 10, please. That's a uh, summary slide. There are other issues which we are discussing. We are, of course, working on multi-factor recommendations where we consider more similarity options and more algorithms to align uh, different people and different tags. But of course, naturally, there are questions like who are other users which are relevant for a currently logged in user, how to group them, how to link them, whether statistics or whether group models could help us. What is the meaning of tags? What is the meaning of the similarity? So can we utilize some kind of semantics, which we have in Semantic Wiki? Well, we have to think about how to do that, right? Um, then this is all what machine processes, right? But uh, how can we explain it to a user, right? How this dynamism which happens, how can we explain it that the user can have a bit of control over it? Right? So explanations and reason maintenance is probably where we will look at, uh, where we will look for some answers. But we don't know yet uh, how this is going to work. But this is what we are currently discussing and what we are working on. Thank you. That's uh, all what I wanted to say. Slide 11 is just with my contact address, so that's it. You can find it there. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Peter. Uh, our next speaker is uh, Mike.
6: Mike Axelrod here. Hello, everybody. And uh, thank you for having me today. I
7: really enjoy the
6: opportunity. Um, do you have my slides up, everyone?
7: Yep.
6: Uh, cut right to slide. Uh, well, let's slide two. Um, uh, I wanted to keep it light today. Uh, to really dive deep into this topic it would take too much time, so I just want to touch on some highlights of uh, some of the key things I encountered in running a, a big wiki in a big company. Well, medium-sized company. Uh, we uh, were middle-sized. Um, health insurance company, New York State, uh, Cross Blue Shield. I spent about two years running or growing a wiki there. Started it from scratch. And by the uh, time I left uh, last summer, uh, we had about, a oh, 1,000 registered users, probably 500 that were maybe active a little bit, maybe about... Uh, maybe 50 to 100 that were regular contributors so that give you an idea of the scale and the activity um, and this this I think was appropriate for today's talk of the cross domain issues uh, there are a lot of different groups that have a lot of different goals and directions a lot of different subdomains within healthcare uh insurance that would be you know provider concerns and uh, and um, you know the the membership concerns and internal support staff concerns and all that. All right, slide three. So together to make, like, you know, something useful, not a big mess, that's the trick. And, uh, you know, it's 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 all really about people at this point because the technology is pretty straightforward and uh, – uh, except when you get to some of the tricky stuff like the semantic uh, MediaWiki extensions that we had installed on our instance of MediaWiki. Um but I thought the metaphor here might be slide four. <laughs> that at times it seemed like a real zoo. Um, because it had all kinds of different uh, people all trying to work at the same time. And, you know, they all have these interesting characteristics you have to deal with. And so my job, I suddenly found myself as the zookeeper. Even though I was a technology guy, I had to become a people guy also. And so the three uh, metaphors here to explore today are hungry people and unruly people and messy people. So slide uh, five. So let's talk about uh, why people are like hungry animals. Well, you see, there's, the classic example is the type A project manager running a small team saying, you know what, our guys have to get this thing done, X, Y, Z, really fast. We don't have time to mess around. What is this wiki thing anyway, and how can it help us? And you know what, there's other projects that may be related to theirs, and they're sort of aware of them, but they're not really paying too much attention. So they're not really concerned about the overall health and welfare of the entire corporate wiki and how smart it might be as a resource. Slide six. So, you know, as the zookeeper, you have the opportunity here. Um, You know, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is, look, they will come to you and you can offer to build cool stuff for them. Semantic solutions are neat and really turned out to be useful for, for different teams. Um, but as you, you know, build different point solutions for people, it's great to, you know, leverage all these in terms of weaving them together into uh, overall improved quality of the site. Um, so, you know, and while you're doing this, you get a chance to introduce people to other related information, other related teams, and, uh, you know, uh, inspire the collaboration, all, all the while being, you know, very positive and upbeat and kind of the rah-rah guy, uh, and, and that's, you know, a good approach, I found. Um, slide seven. Okay, what about these unruly animals? Um, there are some people that just don't react well to being told what to do, you know, especially when you're not their manager. You're just, you know, trying to facilitate. A thing for the greater good of this large group of people, and you've got management support behind you, like I did, uh, but you still, you know, they still may, may be grumpy about things. Um, also, uh, you know, there may be people who aren't so, uh, negative, but they just have different work styles, and different ways of working, getting, the one project manager's style of running a group might be different than another's. And there may be some, uh, some, you know, things you need to, to do to, to make things work out. Um, also then there's the the grumpy people who get defensive saying, what, another new technology? Ah, get that away from me. So you gotta deal with them. So how do it t- how do uh to deal with these people? Um, well, you know, I, I think um, these again, these point solutions are one way to win win people over and then, you know, uh you know, build on that those successes and use them as examples. So, you know, rather being, you know, uh you know, be the benevolent be the leader, be the but be the benevolent sort of leader. And use positive reinforcement, show off successes to say, Hey look what this group did, you guys can do the same. Um, the other piece of this is the, the resistant folks, or there's some people uh, maybe a compliance organization or security group are gonna have a lot of serious questions. And you have to, you have to seriously answer their questions. You've gotta turn the, the resistance they're gonna give you into an opportunity. So for example, in, in our case,
7: a big win for
6: me was uh, promoting a sort of collaborative concept of verifiability. You know, if a wiki is an open place and there's data up there, uh, you know, you have to say, Look, if we all work together and, 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 you know, make sure it's really written clearly where the data is coming from and who updates it and maintains it, then our compliance folks will be happy. And they were. So uh, that's uh, slide nine. Then we get to messy animals. And this is the fun part, actually, because the messier your wiki is, uh, uh, actually you can be the better it is, if you take advantage of that. Because what it really means is people are trying stuff out. And sure, they're not working. So they might try to build some semantic queries that just don't work right, which I, happened to me several times. Uh, but that was a great opportunity to go over and, you know, talk to these people and say, hey, maybe I can help you out. You know, what were you really trying to do? And then help them build that query, get it working, help them define attributes and relationships between pages, and really get them to fly well. Um, uh, there's also the unfinished business. Um, it's always going to happen. You're going to have tons of stubs and false starts, and you, you know you, you want to address that. Um, let's go to slide 10. Um, so you want to you want to encourage these people who are experimenting, get offered, to you know win them over by helping them and fix their mistakes, and while you're doing it, collect the ideas. See what they're really after, see what they're trying to do, and, and add that to your collection of things you can add to the global, uh, add to the zoo, so to speak. Um, also, you know, stubs and stuff are great as a, as a point to identify where people really want uh, information to grow. And um, a, a great way to bring semantic data into it is to build these info boxes that some of you have seen, Wikipedia-style info boxes that have semantic uh, goodness behind them in the templates. And... Uh, Tools like the Semantic Forms tool really makes it easy to build those up. Uh, and people love those. They're just like, oh, this is easy. They, they define the template and poof, they got this little uh, box, wonderful eye candy, but there's really good semantic stuff behind it. Uh, and then, of course, there's the real, you know, this is taking out the trash, the last bullet on the page, cleaning stuff up. I mean, you just got to do it. Someone's got to be, step forward and say, I'm going to just, you know, clean up pages that people want deleted, clean up synonyms, fix typos, et cetera, But the real trick to keeping your sanity in this piece of it is to recruit people and spread out the responsibility and find the wiki fanatics in in the in the organization and give and say, hey, you could you be responsible for this area and keep it clean? And you you know they will. It's really amazing. They'll step up to the plate and they'll do it. So that's kind of the three the three things. And and so to sum up, uh, slide 11. uh, And uh, for those of you with kids or remember from your childhood. Perhaps the zoo is the wrong metaphor. It's the circus that you want, ta-da, with trained animals, exciting, well-executed event that will amaze people. So, if you can conf- can change the zoo into a real, like, organized, uh, growing information resource, lively with lots of people that are active and creative, then I think you win the game. And uh, that's that's it. That's my quick, rapid-fire presentation. Thank you, Mike. My
0: next
8: speaker is Mark from Family Search. Okay. I work for uh, Family Search and on slide two, where we'll begin, you'll see this is the brand name for the genealogical services of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the LDS Church. Um, I'm going to be kind of rapid-fire on these slides, too, so I'll try to keep you with me. So slide three. Um, the reason we've gone to using a wiki is because we need to provide advice on how one would research his own family history. And our staff at our family history library is limited. Volunteer staff at our family history centers around the world is limited and doesn't usually have professional genealogists in it. But uh, there's knowledge out in the world, and so we decided that it would be best to just gather it from the community and let them be the experts and help each other. Slide four you see a a good representation of what our target audience is really like for users and contributors. Um, I encourage you to click that link and go watch this video sometime if you haven't. But uh, this, this little old lady here is very much like the user group we have of retirees and people who have time to do their family history research and who don't always know what a computer is or what it does. Slide five. Now, we have uh, set up our wiki. The URL is there for you to um, search out later. And we're giving every effort we can to make this wiki as user-friendly as possible, considering who the majority of people are that we're targeting. But even so, there's a steep learning curve for these people. Um, They they just want to write. Uh, They're just getting used to writing in a WYSIWYG editor, and teaching them wiki text is a huge thing teaching them how to categorize pages, teaching them how to link pages in a wiki. There are many who do well, but they've had to go through one-on-one or group training, and we simply can't do that for the entire world. Plus, MediaWiki has uh, very low search capabilities, and we need to have uh, better search in place, especially to be able to search based on dates and places, which are important in the genealogical research. Slide six. Um, Semantic Media Wiki itself seemed to be pretty good, but it by itself um, did not really meet the needs that we had. Our users need less complexity, not more. Slide seven, when I um, visited the Semantic Technology Conference this last summer, that's when Enterprise unveiled the Halo extension and later the SMW Plus package. And it contained the kind of things that would help us um, in simplifying ontology creation tagging, semantic queries, and performing searches. Slide eight. Now, with their UI tricks and everything that they coded, um, we decided this would be a good thing to adopt that could make the semantic wiki easier for our audience to use. So there are three main areas that we are focusing our efforts right now before we make the full jump from our current wiki into a semantic wiki. One is to get an ontology into place. There's the uh, question about how people contribute and edit pages, and we need to figure out how to improve findability of those pages for these people. Um, slide nine. Uh, we, we rather I, in many respects, have created a, a baseline ontology that is centered mainly around time and place for um, geographic locations and uh, genealogical records and also contains properties as necessary for research methods or for record types, but 90% of the ontology is around time and place. Um, slide 10 shows a snapshot of some of our ontology, shows you some of the categories we have and many of the properties that we have put into there. On slide 11, I've got a shot again of our categories expanded, and I show here this is a particular challenge for us because in, in terms of localities, um, it's difficult to say to write a form for each thing that is a city or a town or a township, and and then to write semantic queries that point to all those things that kind of are on par as geographic locations, so like states and regions, uh, cities and towns and such. So we've had to be inventive and make these categorical hierarchies for our um, for our locality names. Slide 12, to help out with the contribution and editing process, um, we are working with semantic forms. And uh, just not long ago, Yaron coded into it the ability to use the um, header tabs extension so that a form can be viewed in separate tabs instead of one big long form that takes up most of the page, which in our case we have a lot of semantic data to gather per page, possibly more than others had foreseen. Um, we also are trying to work very hard to embed the FCK editor into the form so that they don't need to use wiki text to create a page we have our own particular challenges with FCK and may even be looking at something else in the future Um, slide 13 shows an example of a semantic form with the tab headers This we don't have a prototype on our own wiki so I um, gave an example from the music snob which you can go and, and look at yourselves later in uh, slide 14, um, semantic media wiki offers a better search already than just media wiki. SMW Plus um, and Halo, as they are right now, bring additional features, and we have just seen from Philip that they're ready to bring even more. And so that is going to really, really help us and our users be able to find what they need. Slide 15, um, we want to give users more uh, methods to find what they're looking for, and so we plan to use the semantic drill-down extension or perhaps build a browse interface of our own so that people can browse by categories and properties and and uh, get to the pages in a way other than just entering key search terms. And I've got a URL there where, again, you can see a very good implementation of it. Slide 16, we um, we have particular challenges that have delayed us. We would hope to actually have something done By January of this year, it probably will not happen until Q3. And the things that have held us up are compatibility of MediaWiki and SMW+. MediaWiki has released more recent versions, and SMW+, has not yet caught up. Um, Figuring out how to maintain the ontology. I am the only person in my not-for-profit organization who does search management and ontology architecture. And I have to be able to help manage wikis in 20 to 30 languages around the world. So getting community involvement in there to the right degree is essential. And then one of the biggest is how we migrate the content from our current wiki. Um, Slide 17, I I already said most of that, and Enterprise is currently working on compatibility. So on to slide 18, Um, we know that our users understand the categories and classification of the content better than we do, much better than I do, who you know, who am not a genealogist. Um, but because of who our audience is, we can't just open the thing wide up. We will have a ton of, of user mistakes and errors in there that we would have to mop up. And so we're trying to figure out the proper ways to construct this so that certain properties and categories cannot be edited except by administrators and others are open to the community. And slide 19, um, we currently have uh, over 10,000 pages in the main namespace. I actually received an update uh, recently that we're pushing the 15,000 mark. And we have what are called barn raising efforts where people are getting together and for a particular area, just placing as much information as they can into the wiki. For instance, uh, one coming up right now is for England. Put in as much as you can about England. So we've got huge chunks of information going into the wiki and it's growing at a very, very fast rate. And we need to find a way to basically freeze that input and get everybody shifted over to tag the content because doing it in any automated way would miss some relevant information because, again, the community knows the content, not um, all of us up here at headquarters. So slide 20, I show what our current roadmap is, the next step is we want the Family Search wiki to be accessible completely through our main site, FamilySearch.org. Um, and that's going to be before we make the upgrade to a semantic wiki. So for the next few months, uh, we are going to focus on building the semantic wiki um, with some help possibly from Enterprise and some outside contractors. And we hope to have it available by Q3 of this year and and have it in the way that we need it as I had put in a previous slide as much of a zero-training interface as possible. So slide 21, my thanks and acknowledgements to a few people, especially Vulcan, who's taken interest in helping us along and enterprise for their efforts on the SMW Plus extension because those things are vital to us having a successful wiki for the type of people that we cater to. And thanks also to uh, Jay, Peter, and Lee for inviting me to come and present. I appreciate the opportunity. And that is all, and I, I'm over by 1.9 seconds. Can you forgive me?
1: Oh, no problem. You are, you are doing a great job.
8: <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Um,
1: thanks, Mark. And uh, probably I will contact you after to see if you have opportunity to go to our spring symposium to join a panel discussion on these issues. Uh, Happy to talk to you. Great. Uh, then Our next speaker is Joe. So let's just
9: get on with it. This is about um, this new extension we developed, uh, SRF Ploticus. If you can just skip to uh, slide four, considering the time constraints. Just a little about uh where we came from uh, and how we got to be involved in SMW. Basically, I'm looking after knowledge and project management in our small IT consultancy. And this... About tried everything out there from document to Plumtree to CollabNet, SharePoint, Roll Our Own, and until I found SMW about two years ago and became quote unquote a practitioner trying to apply it on the front lines, uh, I thought, you know, it was a lost cause. And, but then when we found SMW, we started building several implementations, quote unquote successfully, and, uh, starting, uh, late last year, we decided to start giving back to the community. If you can go to the next slide. Just a little bit from the corporate conscious, I can empathize with some of the observations that Peter made earlier. Um, a lot of people use, and, or I'd like to say abuse some of the things that we use in day-to-day, uh, you know, work, you know, email, shared folders, PKP, Excel, Word, it's just, a flood of information, and people have been using so far what I think just put forth solutions that don't really address the root cause of the problem, that we are just drowning in data. And add to that the fact that with the current economic climate, we have to do more with less. If you can go to the next slide. So that's why, in my experience, you know, I've built a lot of exponents and intranets and public-facing websites there these are the critical success factors that you have to have. And if you look at the list, none of them are technology success factors. It's all about the adoption barrier being so low and it's almost you know, self service, no training at all. But if you can go to slide seven. I also want to refer to things like the Genesequa, the X factor that you have to have. You know, they have to have some eye candy. It has to be visually appealing. And most importantly, it has to have what I call magnet content, sticky content. Go to the next slide. And ultimately, at the end of the day, content is king. But as with anyone who has tried to build a website, that's easier said than done. And there are some solutions out there where people try to do federated stuff, RSS and all that. It's just... Just adding junk to your, to your, to your internet. So what we're trying to do here is how do we jazz up SMW? How do we make it more appealing? So what I submit is perhaps with some visualizations, we can have some in- interesting semi content. If you go to slide nine, typically this is the typical result that you see when you do a queries, uh, uh, an inline query. You just have a table sortable. It's all good, link all that. But instead of plain vanilla tables, if you go to the next slide, why not use visualizations and just jazz it up more? You can always have the 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 table below the visualization, you know, the, the bar chart or the scatter plot or distribution plot that you want. But at least that is instead sub- actually talking about inferred data, the visualization actually gives the user at the glance uh, some more information. You know, the, the, the off-coded saying, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words is appropriate. If we go to slide 11. Uh, what's this Ploticus thing? I just want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, basically this would have not been possible were it not for this, uh, open source package called Ploticus. It's very mature, 30 releases, uh, nine, going nine years old now. And it's cross-platform and it was developed by Steve Grove while well, he was doing a lot of NIH funded research in, uh, bioinformatics. And that code at the bottom is, uh, how he characterizes what Plotikus is. And to the right you can see that it can do a lot of things up- apart from the simple pie and bar charts that we are all familiar with. So let's just do a quick demo to slide 13. Just a quick word on what you're looking at. Um, this is actually one implementation we did for a client. Uh, it's called a semantic report catalog. Uh, I'm still building a demo site. That's why I was forced to use uh, a client site to, to show you guys uh, what we did. I uh, went for uh, the generic ACME. If uh, you guys are familiar with Tunes, the apparently a little bit of trivia, ACME stands for American company that manufactures everything. But nowadays in the global world, I think ANC stands for something else, and I leave that to your imagination. Let's move to slide 14. Uh, we as well, I'm a big fan of the Halo extension. Uh, like Mark, uh, I think it goes a long way towards addressing usability and adoption uh, barriers that we encounter if we go with the naked SMW implementation. So here I, I compose... Uh, a simple query. Uh, just a quick word on the on the, the properties that you see there. Um, this internet is basically a semantic report catalog detailing information about uh, all the reports that the company uses. They use several platforms: Crystal Reports, uh, um, Business Objects, uh, SQL Server Reporting Services, and nobody really documents everything, anything. I mean, and, you know, the CIO basically starting to pull this here. They're starting a re-architecture project, and they didn't know what they had to do. They were moving from a legacy Win32 architecture to a full SOA, Java-based architecture, and they had to rewrite about 2,000 reports. And a lot of them were duplicates. Uh, a lot, of, Some of them were obsolete. So they, they decided to commission a report catalog. And I saw this as an opportunity to introduce SMW. And one of the things that we came up with, we came up with a composite metric we call the complexity quotient, which basically is a calculation, much like your IQ, that number of stored procedures, number of tables, number of fields, uh, and some other factors in, in a report definition, where they can do compar- uh, objective comparisons between reports. So here we're asking for the 20 most complex uh, reports the complexity quotient, so if you go to slide 15, we just paste it on the editor, slide 16 please, and we get the typical result. And, you know, the plain vanilla table, it's functional, but if we modify it a bit with the SRF Ploticus installed, let's go to slide 17 please. Notice I just added, changed the format the, the format to the Platicus, and there's this new parameter called Platicus Params whereby I specify that I want to use the vertical bar prefab and to assign the first column, that is the report names, to the X component and the second column, the complexity quotient, to the Y component. And if I review this page, slide 18. You'll see you have this bar chart. Well, there's some issues with it. Uh, first of all, all the labels are just squashing the x-axis. So if we tweak the query definition of it, slide 19, uh, towards the top you can see the device um query, I added a, a few more parameters, uh, just quickly. I said I want the values to be displayed with labels, I want the stubs on the x-axis to be vertically oriented, and that the whole chart to be sized automatically with on the width. And also, a very interesting parameter on the second line uh, for Ploticus params is this click map URL. Basically here, I'm asking it to create uh image map. And the ampersand one for click URL basically Ploticus will drop in the value for the uh, the report and click label will be the the mouse over uh text it will display when you mu- when you mouse over that bar. And I also added the title. And if you look at the chart, you'll see um, right by the arrow. Imagine I have the mouse there, and the image, the uh, the click map label for for that particular bar is for order results. And now, if I click on it, slide twenty, please. It will then open that wiki article. So, uh, just to basically, here's the and the, the metrics we captured for that report. We also use the header tab extension at the bottom, so you can see and pop um, templates and all that good stuff. Um, let's go to slide 21. Let's tweak the definition a bit more. So towards the bottom, you can see I added several parameters. Now I specify the height and the width of the chart explicitly, and then I also ask that uh, show CSD. CSV, be set to true, show image link, and image format is now SVG as opposed to uh, PNG. SVG, is people are familiar with, is XML-based vector format. And if you look at uh, the rendered plot, towards the bottom, it will expose two action icons per the show CSV and the show image link parameters. So now I can click on the left action button, and I can... Look at the CSV file that was used to generate the plot. And if I click on the, on the right action icon in, from the bar chart, I see in, an, in a new window the SVG file. The good thing about SVG, it scales so I can just expand it without worrying about jaggies and all that good stuff. Slide 22 please. And that's just a bar chart. The, if you go to the Ploticus website, it does a lot more things. Here we're doing a distribution plot. Basically, we're asking for uh, what's the CQ quotient, what's the complexity quotient of uh, the 200 most complex reports. So I don't need to get into that. This is our data, but uh, it can render that easily. If you go to the next slide, please. Ten minutes. And here, I'm going to wrap up some And here we have an even more interesting plot. Now I'm asking for a scatter plot using the same data for the distribution plot I did earlier. It's a shame that uh, the click map label doesn't show it to you, but when I mouse over that dot where that uh, hand uh, icon is, it will, I can even set the, if you look at the click map label parameter towards the bottom of the query definition. It can even give me data about what that dot is, in so, so far as what the third parameter and the second parameter. So in this case, uh, that, imagine that's the order result report, and then in closing parentheses, it will have the number of users over the complexity quotient. If so you go to slide 24 to wrap up, and that's just the start. You can do a lot more with Plotlyus. It's really the power of Plotlyus is amazing. Um, we're just a small wrapper around it. And just to quickly wrap up, 25 and 26. Uh, just a few things that, you're, that are in the works. It's CSS support, MW API, store, setting, copy of plots. The thing I'm really interested in is a PDF bundle. Basically what it is is a new parameter as I want a PDF bundle. Basically what it does is it creates a PDF with a CSV embedded inside a PDF. And the plot embedded in PDF, and if you have, uh, uh, image, image map definition, when you click on the, on the link, it will go to your website. And then we're playing, we're thinking of having a little monitor in there that says, uh, oh, if the data is stale, and that there might be some visual indication in the PDF that the data is stale, and you might want to go to the website to get the latest data. And lastly, the thing I'm a bit excited about too is time series. So you can do, you can see things over time. Uh, because right now, the way Ploticus is, uh, it it will only give you a snapshot of the data as it's defined at the moment the, the plot is created. And the time series tendens itself to any plots. 97. Uh, and then these are some other things that we're looking at. Uh, the main thing that uh, is, my juice is going as well, is as our instead of Ploticus, which is fairly rudimentary statistical capabilities are, you know, familiar with R, MATLAB, and
7: um, SPSS
9: type open source uh, thing that can do a lot more apart from just doing visualizations, can do data processing and do 3D as well. And Symantec is a project management thing we're doing. If you're familiar with the track project where they have a wiki, we're going to marry um, SMW instead of the built-in of track, which is uh, similar to SourceForge for those of you who are not familiar with it. And lastly, 28, Uh, these are just some of the good things happening inside our corporation that basically allow us to invest our time. Uh, One thing that I'm really excited about is the EDM Council. Basically, it's uh, um, an initiative by the EDM Council to create a semantic uh, standard for financial industry or promote transparency so that they know what they're talking about uh, across uh, and outside the organizations and here you can find where, uh, more information uh, also the sandbox site it will be open people can play around with different data sets and talking about different data sets we'll be crawling a couple of public databases uh, the first one will be the CIA World Bank book maybe some new end databases and the World Bank databases so people can play all kinds of interesting plots thank you
0: thank you Joe. Uh, our next speaker is Jennifer for a three-minute lightning
3: talk. Great, thank you. Uh, my name is Jennifer Vendetti, and I'm a software developer here at the Stanford Center for Biomedical Informatics Research, working on the excuse me the Protege project. Uh, Protege is an open-source ontology editor. Uh, we have a wiki that's used both by the staff and the community at large. Uh, currently, we're using MediaWiki, and we have the Semantic MediaWiki and Semantic Forms extensions installed. Um, Protege is easily extensible, and it's been out in the community, community for just over 20 years now. And as a result, there are quite a large number of plugins that have been developed both here at Stanford and, and outside of this department. And the way that we used to uh, track these plugins is we simply listed them on a non-semantic uh, single wiki page. Um, we sort of manually created some topics and tried to informally group group these plugins under each topic. And as you can imagine, as the plugin library grew, we started to get a lot of complaints from users who said, you know, I downloaded a plugin and it didn't work with the version of Protege that I'm currently using, or I downloaded a plugin and I'm developing an OWL ontology and this plugin only works with frame-based ontologies. So how is it that I can sort through all of this uh, data about these plugins and find only those that are specific to the topic that I'm interested in? And of course, the answer to that question was, well, there's really no easy way that you can do that with our current listing. So now that we have a new wiki with some semantic underpinnings, we're able to create um, a large number, well not large number, sort of a small number of categories and properties that we use to associate uh, plugins with the Protege application in a number of different ways. And now we have a number of pages on our wiki that have um, dynamically generated lists of plugins that are the results of Semantic Media Wiki's Ask query that are specific to various different uh, points of interest to the user community. For example, plugins that are specific to a version of Protégé, or plugins that are specific to a, a topic or a particular type of plugin, or even a, a flavor of the editor, such as Protégé Owl Editing or Protégé Frames Editing. So, um, we're we're very happy with the results. Um, it seems that for users, it's much easier to find the plugins that they're looking for. We're happy with the organization, and that's all been terrific. Um, the only downside is that despite we the fact that we have um, forms to ease data entry, um, users uh, seem to say that they're having more trouble making submissions to our plugins library in this uh, semantic environment, if you will. Um, such that if they make a mistake during data entry and their plugin shows up under or in an unexpected place they end up sort of not having any idea how to fix the error and so i'm i'm just about out of time on my short three minute lightning talk uh thank you thank Uh
0: my next next speaker is valentina
1: i believe it's enrico
0: oh hi oh, sorry Click go ahead
10: okay uh hello i'm enrico Daga of semantic technology laboratory and uh, first of all i'd like to mention a conference call of 5th february about pattern-based ontology design here in ontolog so if you're interested on this topic you can uh hear it and um okay odp portal is a semantic web portal based on semantic media weekend semantic form it is uh, use these extensions in extensive way to provide different uh, um functionalities to the user um, the topic of this portal is about best practices in ontology design, and the uh, uh, evaluation of ontologies, uh, uh, training about them, and the repository of uh, um, uh, community of uh, ontologies of the community. Uh, for the evaluation task, we, provide, we developed an evaluation a wiki flow, a semantic, a semantic form extension, this for evaluation of wiki articles. It uh, provides some actions for the users. Uh, users can ask for review, can assign reviews, make reviews, and certify articles of the wiki. For each of these actions, is, uh, a right related is provided for the uh, MediaWiki permissions management, so the administrators can manage permissions about it. Um, um, evaluation workflow flow is activated in some categories that uh, the administrator can set, and the evaluation tab is appears in the page and for each uh, categories can be set um, a semantic form for the review so different uh, category of articles can have uh, different review schemas faster uh, functions are also provided to use some uh, information about evaluation wiki flow for uh, representation data in the articles um, i think that this uh, source code is uh, in the MediaWiki uh, site and uh, towards the first uh, uh, version, uh, we want to add um, different uh, functionalities, for example, the email notification, but the most important one for us is uh, to store the semantic annotations of semantic majority of each article. This is to represent the evolution of semantic uh, uh, annotations, so uh, the evolution of ontology um, realization, and uh, to extract rationals from the um, reviewing mechanism. And, and in general, we are looking for semantic workflows. So we are looking for generalize this uh, extension uh, somehow. Okay, that's all. Thank you.
1: Thanks, uh, our speaker Enric. Uh, I think we have all the speakers give excellent presentations. Uh, now, I guess we are running into the open discussion
8: section. Bye. Um, I've got a question for um, Joel. Um And I put it in the chat i didn 't see anything back from you can um Porticus be used on a wiki that is not currently using semantic media wiki
9: i'm afraid not actually um the the uh, I is based on some exi- on an existing media wiki extension that's it, a bit of a abandoned wear. Uh actually, I'm thinking of contacting the, the extension authors to take over development because there, there's a lot of good things that we develop in SRF Podcast that we can directly apply to the generic Podcast Media Week extension. And then then once we do that, then, yes, you can do uh, similar things without using SMW.
8: Okay, great. I, I've sent you an email so we can talk offline later. Thank you. Okay. Ronnie, go ahead.
11: So I had a, just a question typed for speakers to comment on what are the standards emerging for tagging? There's competing ones, one is griddle, other is meta tags. Uh, what are the emerging convergent standards where more and more people are beginning to adopt them for semantic wikis? Anyone care a- to com- comment? Peter?
1: I guess Peter murmute himself. Uh, can you Lee? Lee Dr. Oh, Lee Ding? ding? Yes. Yeah, can you me. hear me? Yes, you are your voice is uh, is walking through. And uh, James wants to clarify your question. Yes, i can just want to ask uh um,
11: what specific uh Standard the standard aspect you are asking for? Uh, we have a couple of uh, ways we can express these web pages, usually through HTML, XHTML. Are there well-known and, like, is there a standard? Uh, like ODBC, I know. Uh, similarly, is there a document tag tracking standard which I can query and get the same results from multiple sources of documents, at least going forward, if not in the past.
0: Well, um, I think uh, I will try to answer a little bit. Maybe other speakers will give better answer. Um, as to standards, there are two different level of standards, right, uh, official standards. For example, on Semantic Wiki, we can exchange data with, with other applications by dumping um, semantic data into RDF or even all. This is a W3C standard. Uh, as well as their de facto standard, not official, but it's used by everybody. Uh, in fact, media wiki still can be considered as uh, a kind of standard for me, for wiki, like the, the, the media wiki syntax, which is widely used in, in many wikis. Mm-hmm. Any comments? Any, any
7: comments
0: from
11: mm-hmm. our panelists? Does that answer your question, right? Yeah, it does. So, MediaWiki is one place to go to see that more uniform right. cap. Uh, the second problem would be to semantically connect them. One is to just say tags, and then they are described by some kind of vocabulary or taxonomy or ontologies, so that we can connect the various tags and their semantic meanings. Uh, I guess I, uh, this is Lee. uh
1: I can. I guess I can uh, partially answer your question from based on my personal point of view. Semantic wiki actually works in the sense bridging the free text and the structured data. On one side, you can always write the free text on wiki, so that uh, you are free to write anything on wiki then without any structure, and when you are. Using SemanticWiki, you also have the capability to switch from free text to structured data, like uh, RDF. And uh, the transition is uh, made really convenient by our AIFB developer and uh, the SemanticWiki, for instance, the other Kiwi, other SemanticWiki users, they provide either syntax, simple syntax, or forms, or other uh, JavaScript tools allow you to type your information, into that wiki in more structured data in a more convenient way. So in that case you can see the the coexistence of free text and structured data. So yes. I think this is a very interesting situation while we are observing the shift from natural language text to structured data if the structured data plays more value to the Content management system. Maybe this will be partially
11: answer to your question. No, it does. It does go a long way, and I see the connection to eventually to ontologies. But uh, uh, let me talk of the reverse process. Have there been other cases where ontology has been the driver for how we document a subject, where we have predefined ontologies, OWL and RDF constructs? And then we now create some knowledge base and documents around it. Of course, it will be one or two examples going forward, but has, has these been done?
1: Yeah, I would like to wait for our panelists to answer the questions. Uh, I see Peter is raising hand. Are you asking questions, or if you want to answer Ravi's question, you can, you're welcome. I, I, I like to Your voice is uh, really small. Can you speak louder or getting close to the speaker? Peter? Okay. Is it better now? Yes,
11: a little bit better. Okay. Sir. Try
5: to drive
1: our use uh, implementation.
11: Uh, no, now we can't hear you.
1: Peter cannot hear you.
11: Hold on now. Very
1: well. Okay, so I have something with my mic, so I have to
5: speak to my laptop. i show it back there.
11: Uh, so we are trying to drive this
5: uh, uh, well, the development in our use cases uh, uh, with ontologies because um, well, one of the use cases, or both of them actually, uh, they are on software development or software project management. And uh, actually in larger companies, um, uh, people classified their documentation in the software industry according to uh, standards or open specification, well, it's actually a standard, which is called CMMI. Um, It's Capability Maturity Model for Software Industry. And that's basically a um, conceptual model or information model, which you can uh, see as an ontology, of course. But uh, it's not really uh, used yet as kind of a RDF encoded or all encoded, but we would like to... Uh, use it that way in in our in in our project, but of course it is, it is an ongoing work. So, but people structure. I mean, uh, you can see that as an ontology, right? Because it's uh, some kind of a standardized way of uh, classifying your documents, but it's not technically the semantic web uh, represented ontology, right? I don't know if
11: it answers your. Well, I, I mean, I, it's a very interesting thought, but I think it's more a semantic process rather than uh, documentation standard because uh, the behavior of the software development lifecycle or the project lifecycle is what determines the CMMI approach. The maturity, the consistent, repeatable, mature behavior of usage of software components. So that, yes, for the process, I would say, is ontologically driven, but the documentation is open there. They don't constrain you in namespace or anything like that, or vocabularies. But I hope it comes and you get a very good idea in that direction. Thank you. Thank you, Ravi.
1: Thank you, Peter. Peter, do you have anything to say before we end this uh, session? Yeah, any other questions?
11: Okay. All right. So. I just only have to thank our uh, leads here, Dr. Leading and Mr. G. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm pronouncing it right. But uh, G. Bao and, uh, yes. Peter and Peter and these speakers. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot.
1: Uh, thanks for your support. Uh, we have enjoyed an hours uh, presentation. It's pretty long, but they are really exciting and very interesting to bring in these uh, very novel ideas to the whole research and developing community. We're hoping, we're looking forward to everybody coming to join our next uh, ministry on the future of Semantic Wiki. That will actually get discussed what's the next step. And what we should do and actually your requirement and the feature request would be a very suitable to fit in there.
3: In the meantime, I'm... Uh, Ota-
1: are my- yeah. In the meantime, we are also happy to see if you want to join a face-to-face meeting in, uh, by the end of March. We are currently planning that, uh, on um, 20, March the 25th, one afternoon meeting involving those researchers and developers at Stanford University. And uh, if if, uh, you want to know more about that, please shoot us a mail or check your frequently on the mailing list, we'll get you back very soon. So Peter. Uh, I guess we can transfer the control to you now. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Lee and Jie. And it's a marvelous session once again. And thank you everyone for participating. Bye bye. Thank you.
7: Bye bye.